Howdy. Welcome to Healthcare Ain't Easy. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Chris Matthew, and I appreciate you sharing time with me and my guest today, Carter Wines. As we continue to explore the challenges the healthcare industry is facing, we know that there are many things we have to figure out. We also know that communication and collaboration are among the first steps for a successful outcome for all of us. Carter, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chris, for having me on. And let's hear a little bit more about the process of what benefit brokers do for employers and employees across the country. Um, so our job basically is to be the liaison between what the client wants and a lot of the businesses that we work with. And their goal is to attract and retain employees. That's their whole goal. The job market, especially after COVID, has gotten extremely difficult and extremely competitive. And so whenever their goal is to increase their benefits, all costs are going up as well. So our job is to mitigate that cost increase while providing the best benefit on the back end. Um, and so we go to carriers all across the country um, and try to negotiate on behalf of, of those employers. Will you define what, what is a carrier? So carrier could be anyone from Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Healthcare, Cigna, Aetna, um, Humana. Um, and then there's actually a lot of other third parties like TPAs that get involved. Um, and then there's a lot of reinsurance carriers. There's a, there's a ton of people in the pot, a lot of hands in there. So all of these different organizations, you just named like eight different yeah, groups there's a lot. <laughs> that have their hands in this process. That sounds like a lot of middlemen. When middlemen are involved, yeah. why is that a good thing? Well, it, it helps from a negotiation standpoint because the employers don't always necessarily understand how to communicate with these carriers and what these carriers are looking for. So a lot of our job is helping the employers understand how to position themselves to the carriers or to these TPAs. Um, a lot of their goal as an employer is to reduce their cost. And if they aren't necessarily specific about how they approach these carriers, and that's our job is to teach them how to present that data, um, these carriers a lot of times are just gonna be like, okay, well, here's another 30% renewal. And that's not what anybody wants. A 30% renewal, just for clarity, is, you know, you're paying a dollar today yeah. and a 30% increase is you're paying an additional 30% on top of that, what you're already paying for this whole next year. Yeah, that's correct. That doesn't seem sustainable. No, and everybody gets a raise too, which is the, the frustrating Wait, part. Like the employees get a raise? No, no, employees don't get a raise. Um, as sucky as, as it is, everyone on the back end from the administrative side normally gets that 30% raise. So that can include the broker if he's on a compensation, like a percentage basis. It can include admin. It can it can include the account manager from the carrier standpoint. Um, and the trends that you see in the healthcare industry are actually moving away from that percentage-based model, um, which encourages costs to stay a little bit lower. Because if I'm a little bit biased because I'm getting a 30% raise, I'm probably not going to push as hard for you to get that down if I need the raise, right? Costs are going up for everyone. Yeah. Listen, I, I have firsthand experience of, of uh, having a bad broker relationship, a benefit broker that I don't feel like did a great job of giving us great support and direction. Yeah. Uh, every year at an organization I used to be a part of and, and helped to lead, we paid for 97% of the employees' medical, dental, and vision. Wow. Really generous. That's a lot. Yeah. But 70% of our employees were 27 years old or younger. So none of them used it. Yeah. So utilization low, low. Low usage for sure. Low usage. But during a period of about 13 years, we unfortunately had four folks that passed away. Okay. For a variety of different reasons, but we used to get double-digit increases every year. And I used to just assume 
my benefit broker, who is an expert in these things, yeah. is guiding us, helping us navigate and make sure we are getting the best of everything. And I kept, we kept paying the 97% for the individual. And over a period of a decade plus of doing that, I actually won't go total it back up because I don't want to completely yeah. turn red, which would be impossible for me. But nonetheless, I, it would really, it would make me really angry to think mm -hmm. about how much money we spent. And then, you know, the reason now I know a little bit about this and, and how we know each other is three and a half years of working with Sun Life, uh, a phenomenal in, uh, carrier from my perspective, but in the ancillary insurance space, which is dental vision, life, disability, mm -hmm which is a very small piece of the beating of employee benefits because I'd say, what, 95% of the beating is the medical insurance? Yeah, medical is your biggest cost driver for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have companies that spend, you know, $30 a month for dental vision, but they're spending $600 a month on medical. So we're looking at, you know, 3 to 4% cost difference of actually what medical cost. It's a lot. So- Here's the thing that's interesting. I, I got into employee benefits because my childhood best friend was chirping in my ear for 10 years saying, man, you, you've got to take a look at this yeah. because it's incredible. Uh, and it's fair to say this. There's hazard pay that you can make. If you, are, if you have the endurance and the tolerance to weather that storm, <laughs> yeah. you've got to have a high tolerance for pain. Um, the threshold is high. Yeah. But if you can navigate that, there's a, a really rewarding financial career you can have in mm -hmm. employee benefits. So I took a look at that, but I would have never known about that if it wasn't for Jeff. Yeah. How did you come into employee benefits, right? Yeah. I think you've got a, an interesting history here because you're a third generation benefit broker. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, my father was in the car industry, has been for nearly 40 years. Um, and my grandfather was in the insurance space. And so he did a lot of individual financial planning and group benefits as well, for, but he was located in Arizona. Um, and so when I went to college at Texas Tech University, I like to call it Harvard on the Plains, the best university in Texas. Um, <laughs> That's so, the most ridiculous thing I've heard, but let's yeah, keep going. Yeah, we'll keep going. Um, it's personal bias. So I actually was hired onto what's called a captive agency uh, my sophomore year of, of college. And so for those of you who don't know, a captive agency basically is where you are only allowed to sell those products that that specific carrier offers. So if you were to go to a car dealership and you wanted a Corvette, but you were at an Escalade dealership and you were an uh, Escalade salesman, you would basically have to sell that person the closest thing to a Corvette that you could get, but it wouldn't actually be what Chris wants, right? Chris wants a Corvette. I can't sell it to you, but I can sell you, you know, a Cadillac sedan, right? Um, that was a problem for me because from a captive, from a, from a broker standpoint, my job is to put you as the client in the best position possible. Whether it's we switch carriers, we change um, how you guys are compensating your employees with your contribution amounts um, or raising or lowering deductibles to fit your budget needs, right? If I can only sell you one specific product, that makes me extremely biased. And a lot of your renewals or just the products that you can have access to are not going to be what's best out there. So after two years of, of being trained and working in those those areas, I realized, hey, I, I don't really think I want to be captive. So when I graduated college, um, Harvard on the Plains, I don't know if you remember, um, <laughs> well, I actually moved out to Arizona to learn from my grandfather. And so I, I worked with him for six to eight months, learning how to be an independent broker. And so what that meant was 
is I went to all the carriers I could find, all the ones that I knew about from uh, advertisements and just working in the space for a couple years in college. And I said, hey, Chris, give me a contract. I want to sell your your products. And so you went directly to the directly carrier to the carriers and said, I'm Carter Wines. I just I want to be able to go and market your product to exactly. employer groups. Yeah. So we set up some LLCs. Um, and went and got the li- correct licensing in place. And then, so we just started leveraging our relationships and having conversations. And so while I was in Arizona, a lot of the business we were doing was actually located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. Um, and it made a lot more sense for me to come back um, in 2020 to Dallas-Fort Worth. And so we opened up a shop in Fort Worth um, in 2020. And a couple of years later, here we are. So Awesome. So let's, uh, let's talk about your shop. It's Advocate Financial. Yes, sir. Um, the name came from where? So the goal of Advocate Financial was to provide purpose, clarity, and stewardship for all of our clients. Um, one of our other partners is located, he came down from Chicago. He worked for MetLife for nearly 20 years. Um, and he had the vision of, of really just being the most clear-cut and purpose-driven brokerage that we could, that we could um, be. And so we focus on the purpose, clarity, and stewardship on all three of our, our business wings, we like to call it. So we have the benefits wing. We have a social security optimization wing where we help seniors with tax planning and Medicare planning. Um, and then we also have an individual wealth management wing. So there's a couple partners and all of us have specific things that we're specialists in. And so um, that shop, we, we service about 10,000 clients in the Texas area in the Medicare space. Um, and a couple thousand uh, employees with, you know, a couple hundred groups that, that we have under our umbrella. Um, and we range from, you know, anything from the healthcare space to construction to development to, um, you know, electric, let me think, electric and plumbing supply. Like we have, we have clients all over the business horizon. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I like that uh, <clears throat> clarity is part of those things. We, um, we wear these bands from this gentleman, the great Tony Jiri, the results guy, and clarity, yeah, focus and execution are his three things. And I think clarity is a really important attribute for a business to have. Yes. What's the goal? What what are we here to do? What problems are we trying to solve? Who are we trying to serve from this process? Exactly. So I love that clarity is part of yours. So here's what I want to ask. So you you've got kind of an entrepreneurial mindset and a spirit about you. If if you're a you're a sophomore in college. There's lots of things that you could be doing <laughs> to distract yourself in yeah. college, but yeah. you go get a job with a captive agency. Give me the highlight reel of, you know, where you're from and, and kind of where did help. How'd you find that entrepreneurial spirit? How'd that bring you to where you are today? Yeah, I think, um, well, growing up and I went to a school called Alito High School and um, we were taught very young that you know hard work pays off and we were vit- I played a lot of sports um had a family that had a pretty entrepreneurial mindset uh, like i mentioned my grandfather and my dad worked his tail off and still does to this day in the car business that's not an easy business to be in very cutthroat long hours um and i think seeing him work as hard as he did made me want to work just as hard but maybe a little bit more efficiently um so you know starting in really middle school started kind of doing some side projects from a business standpoint. Um, okay. I worked for um, construction companies, started my own little lawn care business. Um, and then also in high school, I blew out my knee and my shoulder my senior year of football within like six weeks of each other. And so I was down for the count for six months. So I had a, a, a good friend of mine, his dad 
owned a construction business and he said, Hey Carter, I, um, I want you to come sell everything that we don't use or that was misordered. So I was basically on management on the back end of like, Hey, we ordered a thousand pallets of this wood for a custom house and it's a shade wrong. We can't use it. So I would sell that and kind of really got into sales there and then started a, uh, actually a custom cornhole business uh, okay. <laughs> as well. So I was doing a lot of graduation gifts um, as well as wedding gifts for, you know, custom stained, hand hand painted, hand built cornhole boards. You're a pretty good cornhole player? I'd like to say so, but no, <laughs> no I'm a better builder than a player. Yeah. I love that. I think, uh, you know, having an entrepreneurial mindset is, is phenomenal. I first business I started was in sixth grade. I was the candy man. There you go. Go to Albertsons, buy 10 cent candy. Sell it school, for a dollar. Sell it for a quarter. Okay. Or, or five for a dollar. Okay. The bonus, you know, people, yeah. I'm a bonus. <laughs> they love do. a bonus. The, the two for one. And I'd be on the the uh, the bus just slinging candy around. That's amazing. And then come home and my parents would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, starting a business. I'm rolling deep. I got a dollar fifty today. I, my family were immigrants from, from South India. My whole family, they're, they're entrepreneurs as well. So it's just, it's been built into us to to hustle and grind and look for opportunities to to do more. Yeah. So I love that about you. Tell us a little bit about, break down for me professionally, what is it that Advocate Financial, the, the impact that you can make for an employer group, for ultimately the employee? Yeah. And what's the goal of the impact? Like, what are you, what are you aiming to do as an organization? Yeah, I think, at least in my specialty, which is the benefits side, I'll speak to that specifically. There's a lot of frustration with the healthcare industry from a benefit standpoint, a specifically talking medical because dental vision rates, you're, you're talking one to $2 a year difference um, with inflation as high as it is. That's usually not a huge concern uh, for people, but you know, 10% on $600 or a thousand dollars or families are spending two, three, four $4,000 a month. That's a big problem. And so our vision is to look towards trends of what carriers are not doing and what the employers want. And so we go to a lot of our TPAs and some of our carrier partners and say, hey, this is what Chris and his company desire. They desire this plan with this rate. And something that is as recent to you know the healthcare industry the last couple of years is what's called either a, a captive program or a program that has the opportunity for unused claims reimbursement. And what that means in layman terms is if you have a company that pays a million dollars a year into their fund in terms of premium, and they only have a 60% utilization, which means they only used $600,000 of that a million dollars. There's um, opportunities for you to get 100% of that money back. And so- The delta of the, the portion you didn't use? Yes, exactly. Can, a, an employer can get back to their bottom line. Yeah, and so one thing that um, a lot of people don't realize is traditional fully insured products in the medic in the medical space, which is what a lot of companies have. Blue Cross, United Healthcare, two of really the biggest fully insured programs in the country, they keep a hundred percent of unused claims on a majority of their product lines. So what that means is we I spoke to a group this morning. They spent four hundred thousand dollars a year last year in premium. They had hundred and fifty thousand dollars that they didn't use. Guess who kept that money? The carrier, right? And so I don't keep it the group doesn't keep it, the carrier goes to their bottom line. Um, and so what we're trying to do is get away from that. And and we've been able to make some really cool partnerships um, with different carriers that have allowed for our groups to see that reimbursement. 
Carter, it almost sounds too good to be true, man. It's yeah. You're telling me that a huge carrier, I won't name anyone in particular, but a huge carrier has an extra $150,000 of whipped cream and cherries and they're just they're going to hand it back to the employer. Yeah. So willingly? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool space. It's a really cool trend and um there's a couple other groups I won't, I won't say names that we're working with saving you know, they have a couple hundred to a couple thousand employees and their spend is high. We're talking a couple million a year. Um, and they're in that fully insured traditional model. And so when we move them to what's called a captive, a captive space or something like that, that has the ability for people to get reimbursements, um, excuse me, we're looking at saving them three to $4 million over a five-year span. Um, it does sound too good to be true. Now, the only thing that the caveat there is they're quoting risk. They're not quoting plan design. So they analyze, there's a ton of data that we have to have on the front end. And that group needs to be willing to give us that data because it goes to all the underwriters for a couple weeks. Okay. Right. And so when they analyze that data and they project that over a five, five year span, they can say, Hey, we've looked at everything and we think you're going to run at X amount of claims. Anything over that we're taking care of it with reinsurance. There's, there's layers in protection to protect you from having that risk. You know, people say that sounds so good to be true. I don't want to pay if someone has a cancer. I don't want to pay additional dollars. There's similar to homeowners insurance. There's a there's a layer on top of that bucket of claims dollars to protect you from high claims. Anything below that is all it's all back to you. Pharmacy rebates and claims. Okay. So you mentioned the data and yeah. How hard is it to get the data? Very hard. Um, a lot of people hold that data very very closely. So we are. Healthcare ain't easy. Yeah. Uh, and then ain't AI, right? How do we incorporate AI? How do we incorporate technology? Yeah. Is AI and is tech helping the benefits in the benefit space? I mean, if, if the data is hard to get mm -hmm. from a manual perspective of yeah. people being involved, well, how do we leverage tech and AI to get involved? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, some people and some of our partners have actually moved towards a um, an AI model of underwriting which basically takes basic demographic data and does scans across a couple different metric um, companies and like analytics databases across the country. It just includes like pharmacy um, usage and overall like claims usage they can see on the back end. It's no personal data. It's just date of birth um, and name. And so they can only see a good, a small glimpse of how much data is actually being, being used and how much claims are being used. And so the AI is then allowing them to generate an expected cost to get, then get proposals for us to show to our clients. Um, that's helpful because if you have a group who doesn't know how to get the data or doesn't want to share it, yet they want better rates, the AI system can help them get better rates just because of the data that's out there. That's fantastic. So AI is going to absolutely play an increased role in helping people save money. Yeah. Bottom line. Bottom line. Yeah. What's the negative consequence? It has to do with, I mean, personally for me, it's just like, hey, who has my data? I want, I don't want somebody having my data. So that's really the biggest, the biggest pushback we get from from clients is, hey, I don't want to divulge this because I don't want someone to go look at stuff on the back end. Now, our job is to reassure them of that. That you know, all of it is not coming to us. It's going through um, protected portals and protected server servers to get to the the people that it needs to go to. Um, but that is a big concern. That's something that. I think as AI continues to grow, all of us are going to kind of have to get used to just the possibility of data being out there. Yeah. 
especially if it's if it's being leveraged to help you do more yeah. with less, then I'm for that. Yeah. Right. I, I stand and I believe in that. So tell us when it comes to advocate financial partners, yeah. you, your partners, who's best served by your efforts? What what kind of what you're aiming to do, who who's that audience that's best served? Yeah. So I mean we work with employers that range from in the state of Texas, we can start at two up to a couple thousand. And so um, anyone who's interested in reducing spend and increasing attraction and retention of their employees, that's really our target market. Um, if they're willing to let us work on their behalf and for us to provide clarity and purpose and stewardship to their specific benefits program, we can help anybody. Um, it's just so they need to be willing to allow us to take a look under the hood and see where we can fix some things. Cause they could have a, a V8 in there and they're running on an inline four cylinder. Um, they could be missing out a lot of different horsepower and potential for, you know, a very robust benefits program. Um, and there's a lot of, all, a lot of questions for people too, that, um, you know, we work with people in the construction industry and the healthcare industry and they say, Hey, I've got 30 to 40 people on my staff that are part-time or seasonal and I can't give them medical benefits, right? They don't work enough. Um, something that we've been able to, to throw into some of our groups is a, it's an AI platform. It's called Sniffle. Um, and that is something that the employer can pay for them. And it gives them prescription benefits, dental benefits, vision benefits. Um, and there's no hourly um, amount of time that those people have to work there. So it's a huge, huge blessing for us to be able to offer that, offer that as well. I know a thing about Sniffle. Um, <laughs> I love everything about Sniffle. So I'm glad that you've got employer groups that can find a way to purpose Oh yeah, uh, that it fills a huge that, it fills a huge need. That's sure. awesome. That's fantastic. <clears throat> Final question I have for you. Okay. There's this incredible author. His name's Chris Shembra. He wrote a, a Wall Street Journal best-selling, uh, actually a couple books, but he's uh, he's he's the book that I engaged with was Gratitude and Pasta. Pasta. And pasta. Yeah. He has this fantastic pasta sauce that he makes, but he he creates these experiential dinners where he brings people together. And he asked this question, and I've done this several times, and it is really powerful. So I'm going to ask you this question: I'm If you nervous. could give, <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit to or thanks to, who would that be? For anything, for yeah. business, personal, for anything, whatever. Oh man, that's a really tough question. There's a lot of people that have played very influential roles in different seasons. Uh, for me, um, I'm probably going to have to go with, with my dad for the most consistent, uh, person that I would look up to over my whole life. Um, he's just consistent. He's a leader. He gets his crap done. Um, he takes care of my mom and our family. Um, and he's very generous. I think that's something that, um, I know I like to model it with my time and with my resources. Um, not only just in terms of generous with his, his wisdom, but also with his time. Um, and the way that he works is something that I look up to a, a ton, how hard he works. That's fantastic. I hope, uh, I hope you'll let your dad know that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to send him this, this, so hopefully he'll get to see it and, yeah. and watch till the end. Yeah. Let's hope that we, yeah, let's hope he makes it to the end of the, the video. End. Yeah. You know, I can, I can completely connect with that. Um, I've been really fortunate. My dad was a huge inspiration for me. Uh, it's part of why I'm, I do what I do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also really fortunate because my father-in-law is a huge inspiration for me. Um, I model myself after two of these guys and I've got uh, several other gentlemen that I 
that have absolutely helped influence yeah. who I am. And it's remarkable when you get to have people in your life like that. So yeah, I think it's great that you can share that with your dad and, and uh, hope you will. Yeah, well, dad is coming to you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks so much for sharing your valuable time with us and giving us some insight. And yeah, uh, I wish you the very best with Advocate Financial Partners. I really hope that you all will find a way to help employers recognize that technology, in particular AI, isn't necessarily something that they need to be terrified of, that yeah. it, it can help them achieve so much more, um, in particular, in the right hands of the right craftsmen. Right? Exactly. That's one of the things that we talk about a lot at Sniffle is that AI is, it's not, a, a rep, it's not to replace anyone. Yeah. It's a tool to help people do more with less and to enhance their skill sets. And I can see what AI could do in the, in the benefit world, especially the amount of data mm. and the underwriting process yeah. of what that process is for people, the bottom line, the beating that it is. Let, let the AI run the, the protocol. Let it do the work. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been a real pleasure having you. I appreciate your time. And yeah, uh, this is Healthcare Ain't Easy. Uh, I'm Chris Matthew, and we'll chat soon.